this week's sermon from C3 Church Narara. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information or to contact us, visit c3church.narara.net. Thanks for having me. I'll have to move this because I've got one of those unfortunate creative minds. And if I see a bright, shiny thing, I'll stop and look at it and I have to read it. How good's the band? Hand for the band. Nice job. Uh, Let's pray quickly again before we sit down and we'll be good to go. Father, thanks for this morning. I got this picture in my head as as we're standing there. I felt like the Holy Ghost. I love the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's the next guy. I don't know if you know that. Jesus said, uh, I'm going to go and I'm going to send another guy, the next guy, and he's going to be with you forever. Can you imagine disciples, there's another guy? Jesus like, there's another guy. There's another guy coming, and he's going to do amazing stuff in your life. He won't leave you alone. He's going to walk with you through this whole process of following me. And uh, he's going to dig stuff out of your life. And I felt like I saw the Holy Ghost this morning with work gloves on. You can get them from Bunnings for a couple of bucks. He probably didn't. I don't know where he got his from. But that's the picture that I got in my head, those $2 or $5 Bunnings work gloves. And I feel like it's going to cost you something. That God wants to do stuff in your life today, but it's going to cost you something. Oh, no one likes to hear that. God, I'm going to stand here and just sort of lay back and you do something. I felt like he said, no, it's going to cost you something today. But I want to work in your life. I want to do something. I like I, the picture I, I saw was him standing outside your house on your front lawn. And some, some of us look outside and we go, oh, flip, it's the Holy Ghost. He's got work gloves on. I don't want to go out. I want to stay home. I want to just, you know, stay home. And, you know, sometimes I think just watch things online. Maybe it's like that. Or, you know, I just, I don't want to go. And, and I feel like the Holy Ghost saying, Come out of your house. Anyone who wants this, anyone who wants me to do stuff in their life, or are you going to carry that junk around forever? I know it's a bit strong words today, but that's a picture I get. It's going to cost you something, but he's going to do something amazing. We give you our lives today. We take a step forward out of the house and towards you, Holy Ghost. We trust you. We love you. And I thank you that you're going to set us off on a great new journey today in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Is that all right? Have a seat. Have a seat. You're amazing. What's this little this little light? She, oh, she uses books. Excellent. Yeah, no, wonderful, wonderful. So apologies, my family couldn't be here today because it seems they insist on having their own lives now. Whatever. They got to a certain age and uh, so forth. But um, they send their love and thank you. I've got three kids, um, Bella, Roxy and Maverick, all named after musicals. Bella Rose, I think I told you this last time, Bella Rose, named after Belle from Beauty and the Beast and Rose from Titanic, which is the second best movie of all time, second only to Forrest Gump. And then, because uh, that's a good movie, right? And then my um, and uh, middle one is uh, Roxy, named after Chicago. She's a dancer and everything now. She wants to be a musical. And then uh, my son, Maverick, obviously, named after a movie. Anyway, so we're going to have a good time this morning, and uh, i got a message for you. It's called Born to Run. The scripture is this. By the way, I love your pastors. 
I got to admit, now normally it's a thing when you come and visit a church, you've always got to talk up the pastors, just in case everybody hates them. And you know, it just, it just builds a good atmosphere and everyone can sort of go, oh, maybe they're actually okay <laughs> behind the scenes. But your pastors are beautiful. And I've known Pastor Chris and Ruth for many years. In fact, when I was at Bible college in 1993 at Brookvale, when I was just a child, um, were you in, in Russia then? You were, because there was like whispers, and you know, like, oh, Chris Brown, they're in Russia, and everyone was like, oh my gosh. It was like the coolest place to plant a church. In case you didn't know, we all thought you were like a legend, rock star of pastors. Yeah, <laughs> it was amazing, absolutely amazing. So I think you, didn't you come and speak at Bible College? Yeah, I thought you did, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, great, I remember all of it. <laughs> They were crackers. Anyway, I love you, pastors. No, I really do. Okay, this message is called Born to Run. Philippians 3.13 in the NIV says, But one thing I do. Sorry, I'm just going to lift the brightness. Who would have thunk? I need this. <laughs> um, but one thing I do. Are you sure? Yeah, it's just driving me nuts. I keep looking at it. <laughs> but one thing I do, this is Paul writing to the Philippians, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on. One thing I do, there's one thing I do. I've, this always feels to me like it's a little uh, group of guys sitting around him and asking him, what's your secret to success, Paul? Because you are unstoppable. This is a guy who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, but he went through hell. He had the just the craziest stuff happen to him. He was shipwrecked. He was beaten. You know, look at it in the Bible. He just talks about it. Uh, many times he was in prison many times. He was hated on by people, moved on and moved on, didn't have a place to live for a while. It's like crazy. He had a heck of a life. And, and these guys are going, but what's your secret? You are unstoppable. He said, yeah, I went through all that. And he gets to the end and he said, but I ran my race. What a cool thing to say about your life. He's like, I smashed it. My kids were watching a movie the other day called Mr. Megorium's Wonder Emporium. Anyone? Oh, it's a bit of a, bit of a niche movie. Really? It's uh, lovely. Um, but anyway, it gets to the end of the movie. Dustin Hoffman's character is about to die. And Natalie Portman's character says to him, I want you to live. And he looks at her and with his last words, he said, I have. And I thought, what a cool thing to say. And I, it makes me emotional when I think about it. Because some of us, we die in our 40s and we get buried in our 80s. And, and Paul's one of these guys that goes, no, I, I squeezed every single bit of life out that I had. I went to hell and back. I went through rough stuff. But he got to the end of his life and he said, I ran my race. I lived this sucker, every single part. I was talking to an AFL guy the other day and he played a very high level. And I said, do you ever wish you would have pushed it more to, to go even further? And he said, no. I squeezed out every single piece of talent I had in my body. I have got zero regrets. I gave it everything on the pitch every single time, and I'm totally proud of my run. I was like, good man. That's the sort of guy I want to talk to. But Paul, we look at this, and he's going, forgetting what is behind, I press on. Because, Paul, what are, you, are you trying to forget bad stuff? Now, for those of you that are theologians, I realize that it's a law versus grace thing. I feel your judgment already, and it's okay. I'll let it wash over me because I'm going to go down a different track with this. So just so you know that I know what you're thinking. Is that all right? Good, good, good. 
So, Paul, what are you trying to forget? Because I hear other people preach on this message, forgetting what is behind, I press on. Are you talking about all the naughty stuff that you've done? Because we preach it down that angle, and, and that's okay. But as I was reading it, God took me on a really interesting journey. And I started to rewind here and find out what Paul was actually talking about that he was trying to forget. And it says this, Philippians 3, 3 to 6 in the New Living Translation. It says this, We put no confidence in human effort, though I could have confidence in my own effort if anyone could. Indeed, if others have reason for confidence in their own efforts, I have even more. Talking himself up. I was circumcised when I was eight days old. Not normally something you'd put in a letter to somebody else, but Paul has chosen to put that in. <laughs> I can bench 100 kilos. But mate, I was circumcised. You know. <laughs> anyway, he says, I'm a pure-blooded citizen of Israel and a member of the tribe of Benjamin, a real Hebrew if there ever was one. I was a member of the Pharisees. Man, I was reading this and I felt the Holy Ghost on it. It's almost like he took he sighed when he said this. I was a member of the Pharisees. He's like, who demand the strictest obedience to Jewish law. I was so zealous that I harshly persecuted the church. And as for righteousness, I obeyed the law without fault. And I started to read this other stuff in the Bible about Paul that when he was six years old, he, he entered this realm of learning of how to be a Pharisee, he got taught by this guy called Gamaliel, and, and he, he exceeded everyone else. It was something that he gave his life to. It was his dream. He gave every single waking second to dreaming of, of, of what he felt God really put in his life. And he just burned for it. It was the stuff he confessed that he gave to, that he prayed about. And he lived to be a Pharisee. And I'd never seen that before in here. And he was brilliant at it. And it was amazing. And he says, but one thing I do, forgetting what was, I push on. And I, I've never seen that, forgetting what was behind. You're saying forgetting what could have been, I press on to what still could be. Forgetting what could have been. I gave my whole life to something. I confessed about it. I prayed about it. But God changed my life here. Forgetting what could have been. Maybe forgetting what should have been in my life. I press on. Paul, nothing stops you. You're an unstoppable person. What is your secret? Tell you what, there is one thing I do. Forgetting what could have been. Forgetting what should have been in my life. I press on to what still could be. And I don't know if you're stuck today. And I don't know if you feel like you're pulled over to the side of the road and you're parked because some things could have been and some things should have been things that you felt like God put in your heart. But now things are changed. Do you want to know the one secret to pressing on to doing more is forgetting what could have been and what should have been and pressing on to what God has still got for you today. You're with me? Come on. Forgetting what could have been. I love this. I read this quote the other day and I stole it and I'll pretend it's mine. The reason people find it so hard to be happy is they always see the past better than it was, the present worse than it is, and the future less resolved than it will be. Oh my gosh. You know, it's, um, I've got to interview a lot of very successful people over the years and they have this incredible common denominator all the way through. You know, some are very talented, some are business, some are creative, whatever. And they all have this common denominator when things go pear-shaped, when they fail, they very, very quickly inventory what they have left, not what they've lost. They inventory what they have left and they move on. 
I was listening to this guy and he was saying this incredible thing. He said, you know, I, I put this into place with my family and with all these people that I tutor and I teach on how to be successful. When things go bad, you've got five minutes to complain about it and scream and cry. And then he makes them say these three words out loud. Can't change it. Can't change it. Forgetting what could have been, I press on to what God has still got for me today. I don't know about you, as, as I get um, older, over 30 um, and over 40 maybe. Yeah, isn't that awful? You get older and you start looking in the mirror. I wouldn't get work done, but if I did, I'd do that. I'd just, just, I'd just do a little. Anyway, whatever. It's like me. The older you get, it's like... It's, it's almost like you've got more time behind you than you do in front of you, which was like, a, it's a really, really strange feeling. So it's a heck of a lot easier to put your faith, because we've all got this measure of faith, in the past than it is in the future. And I was going through this stage in my life where I kept on thinking about a couple of mistakes I'd made. And I thought, if I had my time again, I would have done that, that, and that. And I would have done that. If I had my time again, I would have done that. And I spent, I started to notice that I was actually spending more of my time revisiting mistakes than I was trying to create my future. And I, it was like, it might be you today. It's not that you've got a lack of faith. You've got a lack of courage because it takes courage to talk about the future. It takes no courage at all to think about the past and say, yeah, if I had my time again, I would do that. Because hindsight's twenty twenty, right? And I was going over it one morning, lying a bit. If I had my time again, I would have done that. I wouldn't have sold that place. I would have kept that place. And I felt God say to me this. If you had your time again, you would have done the same thing. Move on. Yeah, flipping rude. Can you believe he says that? And you know, something else came up. Since then, this is like a year ago, something else came up similar. Do you know what I did? I did the same thing. <laughs> It's ridiculous. It's crazy how well he knows us. Forgetting what could have been, I press on to what still could be. I love the scripture here in the story about uh, Lazarus. Lazarus is a friend of Jesus, and he's got a couple of sisters, Mary and Martha. Lazarus is sick, and Jesus doesn't show up, and now he's dead. That's not the end of the story. It's all right. Um, it's in, um, oh, where is it? John. John 11 says this, so when Martha heard, so here's the situation, Lazarus is sick, Martha calls to Jesus, Jesus, Lazarus is sick, you should come, Jesus is like, yeah, I'll be there. He doesn't show up in time, and now Lazarus is dead. And the scripture says here, when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. I love it when we read scriptures like this, we over-religiousify them. And we just read it like that. Oh, Mary just stayed at home. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him. Mary stayed home because she knew Martha was going to give Jesus a barrel full because she knew he could do anything and any miracle. And she told him to come and he didn't show up. So Martha's on her way out to meet Jesus. Mary said, I'm going to go home because I don't want to be around while you're yelling at Jesus. Anyway, Jesus shows up. Lord, Martha says to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. See, she's got faith for yesterday. If you would have been here, anyone else like that? That was the way I was living. If you would have been here, God, if you would have shown up, 
then things will be different in my life now. If you would have given me a little bit of a, hey, don't do that. That's a stupid thing to do. My life would be a lot different now. See, she had that faith for yesterday. And then Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Gosh. I hate reading this. And then Martha answered, I know he'll rise again in the resurrection in the last day. That's an awful answer. Your brother will rise again. Anyone else ever feel like that? You know, you've been through something hellish and somebody said, well, you know, all things work together for good. And it's like, I'm going to keep my hand in my pocket. Otherwise, I'm going to slap your face. If I hear one more person say all things are going to work together for good. And this is it. In all truth, a broken heart can't hold hope. And some of you might have been showing up to church often and you almost can't handle when people talk hope. You can't handle when you get around people that are just talking faith all the time. It's funny, when Jesus came, he said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach. And then he said, the second thing he said, and he's anointed me to heal the brokenhearted. Because a broken heart, this urn, he wants to fill it, but there's a crack in it. And every time you hear hope, it just floods through and it makes you angry because other people are moving on and you're not and you don't know why and it makes you angry. It's because you don't need more hope and you don't need more faith and you don't need more word right now. You need a healing. You've got a crack in your heart. You've got this broken, like a clay pot and it's got a crack in it. Father, I pray for every single person here today that has that. Holy Spirit, with your work gloves on, I pray you you get clay and you just mold it and you slap it on and let it dry and that people would be whole again so people can breathe the air of heaven, that it doesn't annoy us anymore when we get around those positive, hopeful people, but we can smile on the inside, not just trying to fake it on the outside, Father. So um, Jesus said to her, your brother will rise Again, Martha's response was mean. Yeah, I know, he'll rise again at the resurrection on the last day. So she's got faith for the sweet by and by. She's got faith for if you would have showed up, God, and everything. And she's got faith for the, I know, the sweet by and by, everything's going to work out. When we get to heaven, I'll have a new robe and a new body and I'll be happy then. I'll have a mansion then, God. And Jesus said this crazy thing. It's like he interrupted her and he said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. I am that today. That word resurrection literally means the get up. And she's saying, yeah, I know it's going to be all right this week. No, he says, I am the resurrection. Wherever I am today, it's a get up today. And she said, no, no, what about the past? If you would have shown up back then when I was 20, my life would have been better. If you'd have told me not to marry them, if you'd have told me to buy that place, then he goes, I'm the resurrection today. I've got the same amount of power, the same amount of wisdom, and you can hear me as clearly today as you would have back then. Today is your resurrection day. Stop looking at it and going, but that could have been, that should have been, that's a life I should have had. Paul said, there is one thing I do. It's like, this is a guy who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. He pours all his energy, all his life force into forgetting what could have been. Because today is the day of resurrection. Today is a new day. And if you've been going over and over it again, listen to this. Isaiah 43, 16 in the message. This is the Bible. Forget about what's happened. Don't keep going over old history. What? 
Be alert. See, this is good. Be alert. Wake up. Stop going. It was better then. Rubbish. I was going to use a stronger word. Rubbish. Be alert. Be present. I am about to do something brand new. Woohoo! That's good, isn't it? I am about to do something brand new. It's bursting out. Don't you see it? There it is. And you're saying, but there's no way. I'm making a way through the desert and I'm making rivers in the badlands. I'm making a road in the desert. Anyone been to a desert? I've been to a desert. There's no roads, right? Yeah, I was like, what? It's crazy. He said, I'm going to make a way where there is no way. Oh my gosh. How cool is he? How amazing. You keep thinking yesterday was better. It's not. It's not. Today is your day of salvation. Today is your day of resurrection. Stop thinking about way down the track or way past. God is doing something with your life today. Is that all right? Good, 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 good. You keep waiting for God to make it like yesterday. But God wants to do something new. Can you just relax? I feel this. Like some of you are holding on. You're fighting. It's like a spear. You're like you're holding on to things. I'm fighting for this. It's like you're fighting for yesterday. It's like you're fighting to make the dreams of yesterday come to pass. And it's like you kind of know it's not, but you're kind of still fighting and you're pushing and you're fighting. I feel like God said, can you put, can you put, just, can you put that thing just down for a minute? Can you put that aside? And maybe we could work together a wee bit. I can, you can feel it in the atmosphere. Can we just start to work? I'm going to start breathing new life under you. And we're going to talk about some thoughts that you've had recently about writing a book, about starting a business, opening a cafe, getting a van, driving around, coffees, whatever it is. We're going to start teaching different things about starting a whole thing, a learning process. I'm going to start, how about you start working with me Again, through this whole thing. I'm going to start speaking to you about loving people again. And you're like, no, I've got a dream. And God's like, for flip's sake, I gave you the dream to motivate you. That was all. Now we walk together. The dream's the motivator. The the dream is what kicks you off. I've got the dream. And I'm the dream guy. That's my thing. I've written two books on it. I'm the dream guy. But it took me a while to realize, oh, you did that just to kick me up the backside, to get me moving. And now it's like, Jamie, just flip and relax, mate. Can we walk? Because you're going to go crazy if you keep going down this track, holding on to stuff you shouldn't hold on to. And you might think, well, it's okay for Paul saying stuff like that, forgetting what could have been and pressing on to what still could be. Because he's like in his 30s and planting churches all over the place. Well, he was at one stage. But theologians believe that when he wrote this letter, he was 65 years old and he was rotting in a jail with no word of his release whatsoever. Forgetting what could have been, forgetting what's behind, I press on to what still could be because I know what God's got and it's something new today. And you're thinking, my life doesn't look right today. Oh, shush. Just pop the hood. I find, and I get this from successful people I talk to all the time, people never move forward because they never assess the situation exactly where it is. Because we always go, oh, it's better than this, it's better than this. It is what it is at the moment. Pop the hood and let God do some work. Let Him get the gloves on and let Him do some stuff in your heart. Some of us have got a lot of hate. I hate this, I hate this, I hate them, I hate this. He just wants to start doing some stuff. Can I start doing some work on the inside? So we can get this engine going again. 
Maybe get out on the freeway again. It's a crazy feeling. There's the Holy Ghost touching you. I can see a gentleman there um, next to you, checkered shirt, sir, and I don't know you at all. I see God's doing something. That's you, sir, yeah. Um, I can feel you, sorry. <laughs> but I feel like God's doing something. I feel like he's popping the hood on you, and he's going to take out some stuff and pull out some weeds and start to do some mechanics in your life and connect some things that maybe had fallen off and replug some things. And I feel it's got to do with um, maybe dislike or hate or things like that. And I, I don't know exactly what it is, but I feel like God's going to reconnect and you're going to go, oh man, I'm glad that junk's gone. It's like a total rewiring of hoses in your life. So things flow a different way. Okay, good. You might be saying today, I had this. I, well, I mentioned this. I'll mention this. I mean, when I first got uh, a chance to preach, it was like uh, at a like a youth thing, and I really felt like it was my thing, Pastor Chris. I felt like it was my thing, and I was like, "Hey, God's on me for this. I'm going to be a preaching machine." <laughs> and I got asked to preach, and I thought it went pretty well. And nothing for a year, nothing. No one asked me. No youth. No connect groups. Nothing. It was awful. And I was like, well, that was rubbish. And then I got asked to do another youth one. And to be honest, it was an average job. It wasn't a very good job. I wasn't convinced I was called anymore. And it was an average job. And it just felt average. The guy who got up and did the, you know, little introduction before did a lot better job than I did of my message. And I was like, oh, he's more anointed than me. And, uh, and so it was awful. And then so I did nothing for a couple of years, and then it ended up in three, four, maybe about five years. It was so long, and I just had nothing going on, just little smatterings here and there. And then I felt eventually, um, I got asked to preach at Oxford Falls. And then I was so stoked and so excited about it, and I got up and I preached a message, and I think it went pretty well, and it was good. And I had a friend of mine come up to me afterwards, and he said, he said um, oh, i got a word for you. I, I don't know if it's from God. I, I love getting a word from people who aren't really spiritual, because, yeah, they, they, and I don't know if it's from God, and I'm going to tell you, but I think it's wrong. So put it on the shelf and all this sort of stuff, I'm like, whatever. So they come up and, and said, look, just to let you know that no time has been wasted. Do with that what you want. And I was like, oh, yeah, 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 I know, I'll put it on the shelf for now. And, um, and I went to my car and, oh, God, start crying. This is the crazy thing, that God doesn't need time to make a dream come to pass. It's crazy, isn't it? He takes too long to move quickly, doesn't he? Way too long. That's why you've got to relax a bit, man. I wish somebody had told me this. Chris, somebody, I wish somebody had said, Bible college, just, it's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be ups and downs. You've got to learn to relax, all right? You've got to learn to chill a bit. God's doing this. Just relax a bit. You're going to go wacko. <sighs> Take a breath in the Holy Ghost. Isn't it funny, when the Holy Ghost first showed up, everyone started staggering around. He filled them, all the disciples of the Holy Ghost. And Peter said, these guys aren't drunk as you suppose. Why did he say that? Because they were like, oh, hey. They were chilled. They were like so relaxed. They were lying around. If, the whole, if that's the first thing the Holy Ghost did when he showed up, that's a pretty good sign he probably wants you to relax a bit. Do you think? Just chill a wee bit. Okay, but some of us were going, but I can't get over it this past. I can't get over what's been wrong. And uh, I had, um, uh, somebody asked me to come go over to Perth when Perth was open. 
um, in, the, in the 60s. Bless you if you're from Perth. It's been, been shut for a while. No? It's been shut for a while. But anyway, um, and they said, can you come over and do a, a woman's conference? And I, I was alarmed. I'm far too masculine to do that, but I guess I could. And um, they said, can you do a woman's conference? But I said, oh, it's great. And I said, so, and I said, what's the theme? And they said, it's flight, like taking off. And I said, oh, that's great because I'll, I'll put a message together for that. And, and I went up to DY Headland is where I sit in my car. And I sat there and I started putting a message together on this. And I was looking at the scripture, Hebrews 12, 1, which says, let us cast aside every weight and let us run the race before us. And I was like, God, this scripture is so right. I love it. I felt the anointing on it. And I'm sitting there in my car and, I, and I'm going, God, I just want to make sure that I'm not carrying any weight in my life. God, nothing I'm holding on to, no things. So like, God, I just like forgive everybody. I just forgive everybody who's ever hurt me or harmed me. God, I just let it go. Father, I just let it go. I just forgive them. And I had these pictures of people in my you know, head just popping in front of me. That, that person, I forgive them. I forgive that person at work, that person on the road. I forgive them who didn't, I let them in, they didn't wave. I'm still thinking about that. And I let that go. It's just, it's a courtesy. It's a simple courtesy. <laughs> and I just forgive them and I let it go. And then I thought about my auntie and my auntie. She's passed away now, but she was mean. And um, for you are mean. And, um, and I let go of her. And I'm like, and it's raining outside and I must have looked weird in my car. And I'm going, God, I just praise you. And I felt the Holy Ghost in the car. And, and I'm just, God, I forgive them and I forgive them. And I just let everything go, God, because I'm free of any unforgiveness, unforgiveness in my life, so I can just run. And I'm thinking about all these things flicking through it. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, this picture pops into my head of this real estate decision I'd made like about 10 years ago, which put us back a good 10, 15 years. And I'm going through that, I forgive them, forgive them. This popped out and I go, and where were you on that one, big fella? And it came out of flipping nowhere. And I was like, where did it come out of? It's awful when I think of it. And it came out. And then I said, oh, sorry, Lord. <laughs> Just, But while we're on it, where were you on that one? <laughs> now that I've verbalized it, I was like, where were you? Where were you? And then it just borscht. It all started going, where were you on that? Where were you on that? It's like, well, God, you could have given us just, and I just went into this whole pantomime. And I was like, you could have given us a little tap on the shoulder. Don't do that. That'll set you back. You could have kept it and rented it out. No, I just went ahead and sold it, put us back years. And if I can't trust you on that, God, how can I trust you with healing? Maybe I'm going to die now. What is it? And I'm going through this. Imagine people walking past my guy going, you are nuts. And now I'm yelling at God and I'm crying and I'm going, how can I trust you for anything? If I can't trust you for things like that, how can I pray and tell you to look after my kids when God, I can't trust you on something like that? Where were you, God? And I started yelling at God and I said, I want answers. You give me this answer and I'll move on and I'll be happy. You've got to give me this answer on this. And I'm yelling at God, crying and yelling. Where are you, God? You hate me, God. I remember saying, you hate me. (laughs) And I swear, three minutes before, I forgive all of them. Just praise you. You hate me. (laughs) Isn't it weird what we keep just in there sometimes? And I felt like God spoke to me and he gave me a message. And it was a rubbish, um, he gave me a scripture. It was a rubbish scripture. He said, he said, I'll give you beauty for ashes. And I remember going, that's a lady's scripture. That's, 
and I, I was trying to get it out of my head. I was going like this. It's, that's a it's like a Joyce Meyer book. It's a, it do, and I was saying to God, it doesn't do anything here. It doesn't fit. Uh, so I started to look it up anyway. So I looked it up. Isaiah 61, I was so mad. It says this, it says, I'll appoint unto them that mourn in Zion to give them beauty for ashes. So beautiful. And the oil of joy for mourning. I'll swap it over. The garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Oh my God. And I, I, the word ashes, beauty for ashes. And I looked up the word ashes sitting there in my car raining outside lucky so no one could see how crazy it was. And I looked up the word ashes and ashes means ashes. There's nothing else it means. And um, it basically means something that went through the fire and didn't make it. <sighs> Holding on to things. And, uh, and it didn't make it. Marriage, relationship, a career, a dream, a job, health, whatever it is. And it didn't make it. And then I looked up the word beauty. And the word beauty means an adornment, a crown, a headpiece, a bonnet. And I knew exactly what you, you were saying, Lord. Right then, I felt like he was saying, I will give you a beautiful mind for that thing that didn't make it. And I, I hadn't realized that it had crept up on me over, over the years I remember I used to go to DYB all the time and I'd look out over the water and the water would sparkle and would be like diamonds on the water. And I always used to say, God, thank you for bringing me here. Thank you for putting a call on my life and bringing me here. And I lost it and I couldn't see it. And I swear I would look at things and I couldn't see beauty in them anymore. It was the strangest feeling and nothing was beautiful. Nothing was beautiful. Things were just black and white. Even, you, you know, I used to go see my... My son played football and it was the greatest thing in the world. And I started to lose that. And I started to get nitpicky and angry. Oh, you should have done this, should have played better. Should have. I was like, what the heck? It's just, I lost all the beauty out of my life. And then I sort of was like, God, yeah, all right, beauty for ashes. I get it. But I said, I want answers, God. If you give me the answer of why you didn't say something to me, then I can move on in my life and we can be all right. And God said this, and it's the most he's ever said to me, and it's four lines, and I wrote it down, and I'll say it to you. He said this, I can't give you all the answers, but if you give me your ashes, you'll run again, because you weren't made to know all the answers. You were made to run. And I was like, as he said it, I um, was like, yes! I want to run, but this thing is bugging me so much. And I feel like it's the answer you give me is going to let me run again. It's going to make me lift off again and, and make me have colors back into my life again and give me a free mind again, God. And then as he said, I looked back at the scripture, which I was looking at the whole time, which is let us cast aside every weight and run the race before us. And I realized that that's all he says. There is no formula and there is no instruction on how to run. He doesn't tell us how to do it. Do you know why there's no formula and no instruction on how to run? It's because you were born to run. 
And you might be saying today, no, the reason that I can't run is because what's happened to me. And he's saying, no, the reason that you can't run is that you're carrying something you shouldn't be. Because you were born to run in this life. You were born to throw your head back and laugh and love and enjoy and forgive. But you are carrying something that could have been, that should have been, that didn't work out the way it should have been. And you believe it's hamstrung your life and it flippin' hasn't. And God is not holding out on you. He's not holding back on you. He is telling you today, though, you are carrying a big flippin' urn full of ashes and it's time to let it go. And it's time to hand it over. And we're going to do like 30 seconds at the end of this message. I might even get the band up. Is that all right? And just hit this because I want to give you a chance to do it. And I don't know what it is for you. But it makes so much sense. I know when I pick up my kids from school, when they were younger, I used to park on the other side of the football field and you'd walk across the football field, pick them up from school, walk back across the football field, get in your car and go home. And I remember when you'd pick them up and walk back across the football field, whenever they would see their friends um, playing or running or kicking a ball, they the heaviest backpack. You know what it's like when kids first start going to school when they're little? You know, it's like they're this big and their backpack's like, you know, it's so heavy. And it's like, they'll be like, Dad, 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 can we run with the guys? Can we kick a ball over there? And I'll be like, yeah, 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 yeah. They, they never like took off with their back on and go, Dad, why don't you love me? I can't run with the other children. You know, it's like, what's right? Do I not have enough faith? Do I not have the ability to run with the other children? It's like, you got a bag on, man. You know, it's, hey, if they can figure it out when they're six years old, what they do is they say this, Dad, can I run? You'd be like, yeah. You take my bag, take my bag. And if you're not quick enough, do you know what they do? They just dominate. If six-year-olds can figure out the reason they're not running, is because they've got a big weight on their shoulders. I think we can figure that out. It's crazy, isn't it? It's a crazy thing. Those who wait on the Lord, Isaiah 40, 31. We're going to wait just for a minute. Those who wait on the Lord. It means look for the Lord, bless you. It means look for the Lord. Some of us feel like we can't look for the Lord because we've got issues with Him. We've got questions that need answered. We've got a broken heart that can't hold hope. But those that look for me, says the Lord, they shall renew their strength. They shall mount up on wings as eagles. And they shall run. Crazy. Imagine that again. At your age, with what you've been through, running again. Free. Free. Free, like free, like free, running in your spirit, laughing at stuff again, like you've never laughed in your life. Band's going to play whatever you like. Is that all right? And I'd love us to stand if that's okay while we're here. Everyone stand. Let's sing and let's look to the Lord. Holy Spirit, thanks for having the work gloves on. I pray that you... He's funny. I feel like it's in down the front here. I feel like he's he's somebody's holding an urn and he's got it and you still want it. And I feel like he's trying to pull it off you. And he's like, <laughs> like give me the urn. Give me, and it's like, you can have it. Actually, let me give it. Can I have it for one more week? And he's like, give me the urn. The answers aren't going to come. But give me the urn and you'll run because you were born for this. Let's worship. Let's look to him. Come Holy Spirit.
hope you've enjoyed this week's sermon. For more information or to contact us, visit c3church.narara.net.